This is Cinema Degeneration. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. We're not that different, Dick. I do not enjoy killing, but it's my job. Someone has to do it. Maybe. Me. The hobo with a shotgun. He didn't just eat their bodies. He ate their souls. And I joined in. I'm gonna sleep in your bloody carcasses tonight! I suggest aspirin for the headache. What headache? I'm surprised you don't have a grenade launcher. Couldn't get a permit. Because I cut off his legs. And his arms. And his head. And I'm gonna do the same to you. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. <laughs> what would you do if someone proved to you that your three closest friends are Soviet agents? Are these people represent a grave threat to the security of the United States of America? I won't betray my friends. You don't have any friends, Tenor. You tell me what I'm mixed up in. Robert Ludlum's bestseller, The Osterman Weekend, directed by Sam Peckinpah. Rated R. Check newspapers for selected theaters. Alrighty, folks. Welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration and our Rucker Hauer Appreciation Month. Uh, we're This is going to be the last show that we're recording for the festivities. And you know, it seems to be fitting that we're doing The Osterman Weekend from 1983. It's the weekend, so why not? But this would be the first uh, starring role for Rucker Howard in an American production. And uh, it was quite a convoluted uh, story that it is. I mean, from the troubled production to the story itself. But let me not get too ahead of myself. I'm going to welcome my co-host from my last call at Torchy's gang, Gary Hill and Lee Russell. Welcome, guys. How you doing? Hey. <laughs> hey but, there. Uh, yeah, this was Lee's pick. For uh, doing Nostrum Weekend, and I'm, I'm kind of glad you picked it because it's a movie I'd only seen once. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember uh, as we talked off the air for a brief moment there, I had uh, not watched it since probably about 85 or 86 when I first saw it. I think I was about 10 years old. And I remember being very confused uh, by everything that was going on. And I don't know that now watching it that I'm Maybe slightly less confused. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, slightly less, but and that's by a, a thin, thin margin. Uh, but before we get started, let me go ahead and give the folks at home the quick IMDb synopsis, which is as follows. During the Cold War, a controversial television journalist is asked by the CIA to persuade certain acquaintances who are Soviet agents of the Omega Network to defect. 
And even the IMDb synopsis is subterfuge, is, is ruse. Yeah. yeah, it's not very... <laughs> this movie is not very direct. And considering that it was directed by Sam Peckinpah, and it was his last, uh, you know, his last film. He was practically, you know, well, not practically, but he was, you know, on his deathbed while he was uh, making this film. You know, when they were editing and doing the uh, so- soundtrack, you know, he was given direction from literally his deathbed, which yeah. I think is it's a kind of a sad, sad, sad note to to go out on. You know, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's a very, very, very confusing film. With a great, great cast, though. I'll give up a couple of the uh, big heavy hitters here. Of course, Rucker Howard is our lead. John Tanner. John Hurt is Lawrence Fassett. Craig T. Nelson is the aforementioned Osterman. Dennis Hopper, although you wouldn't hardly know it. Richard Tremaine. We've got Chris Sarandon is Joseph Cardone. Meg Foster is Allie Tanner, John Tanner's wife. And we got Helen Shaver, Cassie Yates. Burt Lancaster, amongst others. I mean, even a little cameo by Tim Thomerson, Mr. Jack Death himself. Mm. But uh, it's got a great cast, but it's just, uh, it's a very convoluted film. And we'll get into our, our first impressions of this in some reason. Since, Lee, since this was your pick, I'll let you go first, dude. Yeah. Um, much like you, I'd only seen this once before quite a while back. I, I think it was when I was, if I'm not mistaken, it's when I was first like, oh, I'm going to go through all Peck and Paws films and, 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 you know, see, see what he's done. And coming back to it now, like I, I didn't, I didn't understand the film when I first saw it. I was like, uh, I, I don't get what this is. This is really bad. And, you know, didn't necessarily have all the background on it that, I kind of have now uh, doing some reading and this really isn't a peck and pop film, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a peck and pop film in name only. Like he's basically directing someone else's work due to the fact that his reputation was in the toilet at this point. Um, I mean, he was initially given like a chance to rewrite the script on this, but uh, his, I guess the few first pages he submitted were immediately rejected and they just told him, no, uh, you just direct <laughs> this and that's it. And you can tell it's just not up to his usual standards of directing. It's a very uh, shoddy, put together kind of uh, just a mess. Like it's it's a real mess. There, there's some good things in it. Don't get me wrong, and and we'll go over them as we talk about it. But um, it is overall uh, just a really confusing, convoluted kind of mess of a film with a lot of great actors given very little to do, and. I mean, I think the conclusion is fairly satisfying when we finally get to it, but having to slog through all this to get to it kind of really hurts the film uh, in a lot of ways. I have to agree with a lot of what you said right there, <laughs> to a T. And uh, Gary, what do you think? First impressions, Osterman weekend. Oh, but I enjoyed this film and had some some decent performances. And but much much of what Lee was saying is a very convoluted film and has a lot of twists for twist's sake, you know, and by the way, this is why this happens, and by the way, this one's going to betray this one, and by the way, who's the real bad guy here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh... See, okay, see, see, okay, I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's it's a mess. I was disagreeing with you. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. <laughs> Seeing, uh, Rutger Hauer as, like, the hero in this movie was kind of strange, you know, considering... A lot of stuff you don't see him as a hero. He's kind of like either like 
the villain or like a movie like split second he's like the anti-hero you know he's yeah he's he's yeah. in it to catch that 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 alien that, that, that lives in the sewer and nothing else <laughs> yeah. yeah he's there to eat chocolate drink coffee kill sewer rat aliens yeah, oh, yeah. that looks strangely but, like uh venom <laughs> this one though you know you got, you got good characters you don't know who 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 to trust obviously and you wait wait then when the film first starts actually we'll talk about that i'm sure uh it's the backside of somebody just throwing it out there. Uh, that's scary in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think it's starting off with a sex scene with John Hurd is the strangest choice I've ever seen to opening a movie whatsoever. Do you, do you know how? Do you know how old John Hurt was at this point? Oh God, he had to be in his fifties. No, he was forty-three. Mm. Oh jeez, <laughs> he was younger yeah. than me. God damn. That that that, that man lived a hard, hard life. You gotta, you just see it in his face. Like he, he, he was born in 1940. So like, yeah, <laughs> he, he's 43 here, and it's. I, I've seen, I've seen something earlier than than Don Sutherland's ass now, and that's uh, that's Chad Hurts' ass. So there's that, and you know, it's, uh, <laughs> fucking, something that we'll never Foster get out Prospo. of. It. Yeah. Um, yeah, Meg Foster never looked better. She never looked better than she did in this movie. When she was with that bow and arrow, I was just like, that's fucking sexy right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's good. Like it's it's so frustrating at times watching this film because there's so many good actors in it. And like it, it's such a great cast, and very few of them get a lot to do. Like, look at poor Dennis Hopper in this film. Like, he is just all he basically does is play a cuck, and that's kind of it, right? Like he's he's kinda He's just kind of a meek, like trying to take care of his drug addicted wife who's trying to throw her vagina at every dude who looks at her. And I don't know. Like it, it is this around the time Dennis Hopper was finally cleaned up and off the drugs, I think. I'm pretty sure. Because he, he just seems to like zombie walk through this one. Yeah, it, it's it seems very odd uh a choice of casting for to put Dennis Hopper in this and give him so little to do. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, like on the phone with his wife, let me get your medicine, honey, and trying to convince her not to fuck every stray guy that, like, you know, comes along. It's, uh, yeah, you said it best. He, he's basically playing a cuck in this movie. He's just yeah. keeping his way, as they even say, you know, his wife has a problem with her nose, and it's like not because he's a plastic surgeon, it's because she's on the booger sugar. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Reminds me of Borgnine and his wife in, uh, in Poseidon Adventure. Yeah. It's like, by the way, my wife's a whore. Yeah, Yeah, he does everything but say that, you know. And I think even the uh, the poster art for this, even though it's you know uh, very very beautifully like framed poster. I mean, it looks really really nice. The colors really pop on it. But like, (laughs) you know, it it just it it promises something that you don't really get. You get about. 30 seconds of, of Meg Foster. I almost said Meg Ryan, but I mean, <laughs> that would have been different. But Meg Foster with, you know, a crossbow, not a crossbow, goddammit, but with a uh, a bow and arrow. And they, they promise, like, that's what you're going to see in this movie. Yeah. yeah. At about an hour and 30 minutes in. She yeah. does use a, she does use a crossbow, too, though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But, yeah, but you're right. There's, there's so little of that. Like, it, it really tries to sell this as a totally different movie when this is really a, you know, kind of a 
spy thriller espionage kind of film with like all kinds of suspense uh, and, you know, who's playing against who, who's watching who. Turns out everyone's watching everyone watch everyone else. It's like this, this like total circular kind of thing. And like, obviously they're somewhere in the script. They're trying to make some points about like surveillance states and stuff like that, but they never really get anywhere with it. Like, it's just, it, it just serves to confuse things more than it serves to actually like make any sort of point about things. And it's just very, uh, again, I, I use the word frustrating. It's a very frustrating film to like, Oh, you, you could be doing something cool here, but, uh, no, no, we're back to another scene of them swimming in the pool and, now yeah. they're videotaping it. Now they're watching videotapes of their old meetups. And okay, it, it seemed like it was like a, a mean, swinger party on the verge of getting ready to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, these films that were like these red scare films. Back in this time, you had, like, Star Chamber. You had war games. You know, the, the Russians are, are going to come kill us all. And they, yeah. they used that as a, kind of like a crutch of this movie because it, it, the way this film starts is John Hurt's getting busy with his lady, and then when he leaves, she's murdered unceremoniously by these men Yeah, that, that, were, that were supposedly sent by this, this senator or governor that, that has plans on being the president. And so... You know, this is a big spoiler, but <clears throat> John Hurt claims that his, these guys that he hangs out with, Oster and the other two guys, you know, played by Craig T. Nelson and his uh, magical mustache in this movie. <laughs> oh, that's uh, yeah, some magnificent mustache. I got a story about that, but we'll we'll hold that off for a little bit. And he, he convinces <laughs> them that they're 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 secret, like it, incels for for like KGB or something. They're they're, they're Russian spies. They're gonna do this, do that, but. It turns out they're just really sh- shitty businessmen who have Swiss bank accounts, and they're trying to hide this. And yeah, you know, and they're not—they're not commies at all. So your plot is, you know, there. And he goes to a lot of lengths for this to, to try to happen, though. It's, I give yeah, it's—it's it's very convoluted, right? Like it, at at the end of the day, the actual story is—is is that so? John Hurt is a CIA operative. His wife is killed by the the head of the CIA, played by uh, Burt Lancaster, who I think is pretty good in this, too. Um, it's interesting casting because you don't often see him play, you know, a, a villainous kind of character like right, that. Right, right. And so basically what it is is the, the whole this whole convoluted thing is actually just John Hurt's way of manipulating uh, himself into getting revenge on Burt Lancaster, ultimately. Like, because Rutger Hauer runs this sort of, like, expose show, right, where he's, like, taking government officials to task on on what they do and don't do behind the scenes uh, to the American public or whatever. And so he he figures he's the kind of the best guy to, uh, like, try to sucker Burt Lancaster in and, like, expose him. But to do that, he's got to lie to Rutger Hauer about what his friends do and what they're about. Like, at the end of the day, John Hurt knows already that, oh, they're, they're just tax cheats and no one actually gives a, a fucking shit uh, right. wh- whether they are or not. And he's just using them all as pawns just for this revenge 
seems very convoluted. Seems like he could, if he wanted to, he could have just gotten close to uh, Lancaster in other ways and killed him. But instead, he's got to go through this really convoluted game that could go wrong at any moment. And uh, does. It does. It does at every turn. Yeah. I mean, so it, it, it's, it, it's, almost, it's almost like John Hurt, like, constantly, like, cleaning up his own mess. Like, that's kind of the plot of the entire film. Everything that happens is, like, John Hurt's got to change plans at the last second. Like, there's an actually suspense scene in this film with John Hurt unable to turn off his side of a two-way video conference. And so he has to pretend to be a weatherman so that uh, uh, Rutger Hauer's friends don't suspect that he's having a, you know, having a conversation right there of a spy master or whatever. It's like, what is going on in this film? And I think that was part of the, uh, the, the parts that were largely cut out of this film because Sam Peckinpah had several mm-hmm. other scenes. You know, because it was taken away from him in post. It's another yeah. one. You know, his his last film, he was fired during post production. Yeah, and you know, he had other scenes of like quote unquote, uh, you know, intentional humor to kind of lighten the mood. I think that was probably one of the few scenes that probably like made it in under the radar, because like how would they even you know begin to cut that scene out? I mean, it's, right. It, it, but but it's like I, I, at that point I was just like, am I watching an espionage thriller or am I watching a fucking comedy right now? Am, am and, I watching a sci-fi film even? Because it's like they're basically doing like, you know, what we do today on like Skype and stuff like that, like video conferencing. But he's doing it through his television set, and I'm like, could they do something like that back in 1983? I don't think I don't they think could. they could. I don't no. think so. And is it me? Let me ask you guys if this if it felt the same way to you. But this movie felt like it was one great big commercial for like closed circuit television surveillance you know, <laughs> equipment. It's just like, hey, did Fisher and Panasonic have a stake in this movie? And they were just like, listen, we'll finance this Robert Ludlum novel and turn it into a movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it feels that way. I mean, technology is very rough, and I'm sure if we we could do with a cell phone now, they need about. 80 pounds of equipment to do in, in these mm. days, you know? Yeah. And, and speaking of it being very convoluted, I think it's a word we're going to use here quite a bit, guys. <laughs> but uh, the whole idea is that that one that John Hurt is, like, you know, communicating with Rucker Howard, you know, the, the John Tanner character, mm-hmm. c- consistently while these guys are there. And it's supposed to be a whole lot of subterfuge. Like, you got to get them to come to the other side. you got to get these Russian spies to defect to America. And that's like the, you know, the, the ruse that, you know, uh, John Hurt is, like, playing on them. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, like, why would he have his setup, like, right there? Why would he risk going to the pool house? Why would he risk having, you know, the, the surveillance van right on the property? Why wouldn't you leave and, like, take it to the next property over or somewhere else? But it's like you're, you're trying to, you know, be it's, all secretive with these guys. It didn't seem like he was very smart. It's because this entire film is badly written. That's that's the reason yeah. why. Like, they... Oh. They, I don't. I don't even think. Like, I think I read that the person who did the first draft of the script was surprised they actually used his draft because he thought it was shit. So, <laughs> like, that tells you something. Uh, they they obviously kind of like just kicked this movie into gear without thinking too hard on the script and stuff. I guess they kind of figured we got a really good cast. We got Sam Peckinpah directing. Uh, he's going to play nice. He's going to be a good boy this time because he needs the work. 
So we're going to get, you know, a premier director with uh, a good reputation as far as, you know, putting stuff on screen goes. Um, we've got a bunch of sex. We've got a bunch of violence. It's going to sell a movie. It doesn't matter if it makes any sense, I guess, is kind of what they were probably thinking. Because if, if you scrutinize the script to any degree, it's like we need to throw this out and rewrite it because it, it makes no fucking sense. There's there's, yeah. there's too there's too many twists is the problem here you know mm-hmm. it, it goes here and like by the way John Hurt I got the best of you which by the by the way he he, he makes so many bad choices for his plans in this movie he he picks he picks um oh, what's what's uh Rucker Howard's character's name again Tanner. Tanner yeah he picks John Tanner you know who who he has to read the background of these people him and his wife are expert hunters who have mm-hmm. a lot of land. So if they were to escape his clutches, they wanted to go hunt him. They could, because you know, <laughs> John knows precisely where he is pretty much the whole time. He knows where he's set up for surveillance. All these things are stupid. And then he he picks these friends. You know, one's a plastic surgeon. He's kind of he's kind of a milk toast guy, Dennis Hopper. Uh, Chris Sarandon is he's very aggressive and, and kind of athletic. And then you have Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson, who is like an expert in hand to hand combat. Yeah, who's like a kung fu Sorry. master, man? He's like, yeah, like he, he really sells that martial arts, doesn't he? Not, no, <laughs> he does not sell. He is clearly so uncomfortable doing that martial arts shit. He is, I mean, he, lo- yeah, he does not look like a martial artist. He's got the dad bod going like way before it was a popular. Or he was popular less. Thing. He was even less convincing than he was in, in Action Jackson. Yeah, he, he could he could really hurt somebody though in in this movie, you know, mm-hmm. in, not in real life, but you know, in, but in this movie, he's supposedly like this martial arts master who apparently can do you know outside stuff too. There's a whole scene where he they they send somebody to hunt him, and hurt, um, and yeah, the, one gets murdered and then the other one gets murdered by somebody with a crossbow and a bow and arrow, and you mm-hmm. know, and it's it's bad choices, bro. <laughs> <laughs> There's even the, the the super masculine part when uh, you know he asked him, "Do you got a gun? Do you have a gun here?" You know when Craig T. Nelson's yelling at Rucker Hour, and he's like, "No, but I got some bows and bow and arrows." But they're gone because you know the wife Meg Foster and the son have taken them. But he's got that little pistol crossbow. And yeah, he's like what are you gonna do? Throw it at him? But like <laughs> it, it totally works. You know, I yeah. mean, it totally works, and he gets some fucking center mass. Like I mean, the action is in this when there is action is pretty well done because that was. You know what Peck and Pod did well. It's well choreographed, but it is like interrupted by long bouts of boring ass expositional dialogue. And I gotta admit, like the editing, it's just oh, we- it's, it's, it's weird, fucking weird editing, boring editing, and some of the most like lackluster, lackluster like movie fucking I've ever seen. Usually, oh, yeah. you know, in movies they make you know they make sex scenes look you know romantic or at least carnal this just looks like it, it, it was just bad <laughs> and what is with the musical choices in this movie all the slow jazz yeah <laughs> yeah you can you can tell this like i like i said you can tell this is not a peck and paw film um because he would not There's have no made convoy those, he, he would have he would have not made any of those choices for this film um the the, the sex scenes are boring as fuck they're basically tv sex scenes with nudity in them that's kind of what they are. Right. Um, there was there was more passion in in, in the pool drowning. They're trying to drown each other in the pool, scene than anything else. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. 
But yeah, the the action scenes are even kind of really disappointing given who's directing this because like the editing is so bad. Like that uh that chase scene where Rutger Hauer is is you know chasing down that guy who's just like gassed and kidnapped his wife and son or whatever. Yeah. Um that is so confusingly edited because it jumps back and forth between certain moments as if it's trying to put some sort of like exclamation point on it, but it doesn't work that way. It's just like, wait, I just saw that happen. Why is that happening again? Like it, it's so shoddily edited. I was just like, man, this could have been a really good scene, but you're just taking me right out of it. And after, you, and after you, you know, what that was done better at was us. That scene over the top when Robert Loja sends his goons after Sylvester Stallone's son and they yeah. try to steal him in a truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, I think the most, like, what the fuck moment in this movie, because I always got to pick one what the fuck moment. And I'll be interested to hear if you guys got a what the fuck moment for this, but mine is the fake dead dog's head in the fridge. Yeah. At first, I was just like, "Oh, damn!" They pulled a fucking like fatal attraction and, and you know stuck a dog's head in you know the fridge. What was the point of, of that? Of them making them think that they had you know had killed the dog when it was really just a fake you know fake head covered in ketchup? Like, well, yeah. it's like, alas, I, I seen uh, that man kick your dog by the poolside earlier, and uh, he really hates that dog, so he kills your dog. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, Chris Sarandon kicks the dog earlier by the poolside. It's like, well, first off, fuck you, Chris. Um, yeah, I'd have kicked his ass out of my house first thing off if he kicked my cat or my dog like that. I'd be mm-hmm. like, you're out. You're out, sir. Yeah, he would have been gone. Like, uh, it, and Rutger Hauer saw it. Like, if I was Rutger Hauer, I would have drowned you in that pool. <laughs> that the, that would have been the end of it right there, you fucker. But, uh, yeah, it, it makes no Like, obviously, there was probably something in the script or in the edit that probably explained that dog hit a little bit better. But even in like the, the long director's cut version of this film, like it just doesn't happen. It's just a out of nowhere thing. That's like, okay. Yeah. Now I got a question for you guys. Have either one of you seen the, the longer director's cut because I have not. Yeah, I have. It's, (laughs) I, that's what I watched for this, uh, for this uh, podcast and it's 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 not good (laughs) it doesn't make it any better no it makes it worse honestly like honestly they they tried their best to salvage this thing in the theatrical cut and well it's slightly better i watched whatever whatever version was on tubi that's the version i watched yeah that's the version i watched as well uh, but the, yeah, this movie is just like I said, weirdly, oddly paced, and oddly casted for like throwing away somebody as great as you know Dennis Hopper. I mean, the really only supporting character who gets any kind of meaty stuff to do uh, mm-hmm. besides Craigie Nelson is Chris Sarandon. He kind of gets to chew everything up. You know, yeah. he's he's a guy that's obviously very you know disturbed by everything that's going on because he's you know. Losing a, a you know a pool side game, and then he's gonna like I'm just gonna try to drown Rooker Howard before, before <laughs> you know anything happens. Is like was he on the Booger Sugar too? I'm just wondering. It was him and Helen had something going on because I just got I, I, oh, yeah. I have questions he, there. He seems to have like I guess I'm guessing his character seems to have some like um just some ego issues. Like he he's kind of like a he seems like an ex jock who's like 
kind of maybe a little not up to snuff in the bedroom anymore and seems to have issues with being beaten in games and stuff like that. Like he's just, he's just a real prick. Like he, that's basically what he is. He's just, he's just a nasty prick who probably hates himself and hates everybody else. Now I got a question for you guys. I, I kind of posed it a bit earlier, but I got ahead of myself. Do you have a, a I, I don't know if we want to say a favorite, but a, a, a what the fuck moment that stands out to you? Uh, honestly, going back to the fucking dog head, that threw me for a loop. I didn't remember that when, from seeing it the first time years ago. So that when I watched it this time, I was like, what the fuck is going on there? Like, honestly, that honestly, again, the editing in that car chase made me go like, who allowed this to happen? Like both of those things are just like, okay, I, I really, uh, I, I'm really left a little speechless here. Like, I, I don't know how a movie got made and allowed that shit to happen, you know? Yeah. Gary? Oh, well, probably Meg Foster hunting the men in the woods. It probably was pretty cool. And the um, Craig T. Nelson fight with Rucker Hauer in the kitchen <laughs> was uh, <laughs> pretty great. What's the line that he says? You make a move for that bat, I'll make you wear it for a month or something like that, he says. That bat uh, finds every window in that dude's house, right? Because yeah. if every time he swings, he he like misses Craig T. Nelson and hits a fucking window. Like okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you guys said though, like Chris Sarandon. There's a point in the film where they're gonna steal Rutger Hauer's camper, and they do, and John Hurt lets them out of the, the garage because guess what? They unceremoniously get exploded inside this camper for for, for no reason. You find out, yeah. You know? They're, 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 just, they're just scumbags who are hiding money. They're not, they're not, they're not communist spies, like he's yeah. saying. You know, they're just random shitty businessmen who committed tax fraud. You know, mm-hmm. yes, the, the the sin is there, but but the cause is not, and that's what really hurts the movie. Like you're just blowing up these two people, and they're kind of liking stuff, and didn't give him really, give really Dennis Hopper much to do, and just uh, unceremonially explode him inside of a camper. Thanks, thanks, movie. You know. Yeah, like there seems like there's a storyline for like Dennis Hopper's wife, you know, who's the drug addict or whatever. Seems like there's something they were trying to go for there, especially in that camper at the end there where she's like freaking out and stuff. Like it seems like there's supposed to be some sort of character arc or something concluding there, but I never saw it throughout the entire film. I don't know. It it was just this big surprise, right? She's like singing that song or that weird nursery rhyme as they're doing mm-hmm. the kind of the countdown to everything getting blown up. Well, she's got, you know, a, a big, you know, Al Pacino sized smear of cocaine across the side of her face. That <laughs> and Dennis Hopper actually goes, "What's that all over your face?" It's like, what? What do you think it is? This is the fucking Peruvian marching powder that you fucking gave her, you know? Yeah. It's like, what do you think it is? It's cocaine. <laughs> but then they just get blown up, and I'm just like. Really? When it all comes out in the wash in the end, uh, that it's just about, you know, not Rucker Howard, but uh, John Hurt getting revenge for his wife being killed. Why does he take out all these other people? They, they're they inconsequential to his, you know, quote unquote cause. Yeah. They really had nothing to do with it. It was all, uh, uh, I forgot uh, Burt Lancaster's name in the movie, but. Um, uh, uh, Dan, Dan Danforth, Danforth, something like Dan, that. Danforth, that's it. Maxwell yeah. Danforth. It like he could have uh, gotten, you know, what he wanted out of the situation, gotten revenge with with a lot less, uh, you know, effort and subterfuge. 
Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's just a weird 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 movie. I think that probably the strangest part is how much they end up watching that closed circuit television. They like they set up mm-hmm. the cameras everywhere, tape everything, and even in the playback, there's slow motion. Yeah, somehow somehow Peck and Pa also uh, uh, edited their uh, VHS tapes, I guess, because man, like. Uh, there's it, it's it's uh, it's that frustrating thing uh i had the same problem with like uh george romero's diary of the dead where he didn't understand the technology he was trying to you know show in his movie um here this movie has no understanding of the technology it's using uh because they're getting camera angles and stuff that they shouldn't be able to get unless they've got eight thousand cameras everywhere because there's like camera angles of like the goons in the in the final shootout scene that just make no sense and and you can see and you're seeing them right on the closed circuit televisions too it's like there's like close-ups of these goons shooting and stuff it's like no that makes no fucking sense why why would there be a camera there it it's just uh it's dumb it's it's just it takes you out of the movie well and the fact that you know it makes it even sillier when john hurt has the the moment where he can't figure out how to turn the cameras off it's just like you got that many cameras and that much technology. You should probably know how to use it. You'd think he'd have like some sort of tech nerd running it for him while he's just watching, right? Because that would make more sense. And and they and they mentioned too that it was like two years previous when his wife gets killed. So he's had two years to plan this shit out, and yet it's still a colossal fuck up and failure to to, to build his uh, blinking wall of death. You know, where yeah, he has he triggers two explosives uh, written out like he fucking works at McDonald's. Explode camper now. Change the camper too. Uh, I do have another question. Uh, I know it's going to be a, a strange one considering how much we're kind of pooping all over this movie. Uh, I don't hate this movie, by the way. I'm just throwing out there. I don't hate it. <laughs> well, I, I find it entertaining, but it's just there's so much wrong with it. But that being said, do you have a favorite part of the movie, like whether it be a performance or a certain scene? And Gary, I'll kick it to you first. Oh. Not the best pool fighting the pool scene ever. That goes the burnt offerings, I think. Mm. <laughs> just make, making splish splash into the pool. But uh, probably that pool scene because at, at that point you don't know where they stand. They they they, they think that he's going to expose them as sleazy businessmen. He's thinking there's something else entirely. So at that point of the film, you're not quite sure where you stand. So after that, I think it's like it's, it's up for grabs, really. You know. You start to see John Hurt's motives for from not much after that, which is solitary and nothing else. Right, right. And Lee, what about you? Um, I do really like the the sort of final shootout, uh, you know, where they're in the woods trying to track down uh, Rutger Hauer and Craig T. Nelson and Meg Foster's running around with a crossbow and a, and a bow and arrow. Um, like, there should have been more of that. Like, it's... It, it honestly should have been a lot more of that uh i i thought you know shitty camera angles aside and stuff that make no sense i think it it's at least there you see some shades of old peck and paw and it's competently done for the most part um and i and i did like that and you know i do like all the actors in this and i like the performances when they're allowed to perform but just not a lot of it in this film 
I'd have to agree the the, the shootout sequence uh, Lee is, is probably the the best sequence. You know when you got you know goons with machine guns that have silencers on them, but they're not. Mm-hmm. They're, but they're making all sorts of like noises that guns without silencers should make. But yeah, <laughs> well, but you got that. You got a pool on the fire. You got you know crossbows and bows and arrows. I mean, it, it, it's crazy and all over the place. How mm-hmm. long can Craig T. Nelson hold his breath? You're gonna find yeah. out. Yeah, holy fuck. You know if, that that must be. <laughs> He, he must be like, you know, all that uh, meditation or whatever he does is in his martial arts really paid off when holding his breath, I guess, because, man, he's under there for a good five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's full time. Well, yeah. you know, and I do like, like the sequence between Craig T. Nelson and Rooker Howard with the bat because they just destroy that fucking kitchen. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's clearly, you know, at least for the most part. The actors themselves doing the stunts. So there's not a whole lot of stunt person stand-ins to go. They're they're getting tossed around there quite a bit, you know. It was, uh, using a term here, but uh, it's the wild bunch of the '80s. You know, they were mm-hmm. just like they were just throwing each other around without cause. You know, just like we're just gonna see what happens. Yeah. Though I found it funny that like he uh, Peck and Paw uses so much of his slow mo in that fight that. Even even the uh, audio is in slow motion, so there's like a lot of <laughs> kind of stuff when they're fighting. <laughs> right. I was like, "What is going on here?" Yeah, it's yeah. I think it. You know, not only <clears throat> was it a mess from the screenplay standpoint, I think Peck and Pop being you know literally on his deathbed, you know, probably contributed a lot to the the inconsistencies and they couldn't decide what script they wanted to use there was several different screenplay writers mm-hmm. robert robert ludlam tried to write a, a version uh, you know of, of his own you know novel you know uh, in a screenplay form and i don't think that anybody could probably understand the source material enough including ludlam yeah. to, pro- to properly you know adapt it you know and it Again, it was part of the uh, you know the Red Scare panic of the '80s, you know, where where there was you know quote unquote Ruskies behind every corner, and I think it played into you know that panic of, of the '80s, much like the Satanic panic, you know, just played into the fears. Well, it's considering here it's 2022, and then things are, haven't really changed a whole lot. Yeah, it. I mean, it. It kind of somewhere deep in in the script, there's like a subversion of that whole Red Scare thing, where you know. It turns out there's no Red Scare at all being uh, uh, in play in this in this movie. Uh, if like even the KGB guys who do the hit on uh, on uh, John Hurt's wife in the beginning, they were hired by the director of the CIA. So there there is a point to be made here somewhere about you know these people in government who are supposedly protecting us from the Red Scare or whatever half the time they're actually the real criminals and they're not patriots or anything like that. They're just out for their own personal gain. And then you, and then you, at the end you get, uh, Burt Lancaster's character exposing himself and, you know, like Rector Howard asks him, um, do you have designs on being the president or whatever? And, and he's kind of like humble, you know, humbly says, well, no, of course not, buddy. If the American people, so wanted me to take up the office and of course i would you know like it, it's very obvious that it's all about burt lancaster 
trying to grab as much power as possible and, and a lot less to do with like fighting the Russians or anything like that. Yeah. That speech that he gives about, Oh, see, this is, see, this therein lies the problem. This is how we don't have a healthy America. Blah, 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 mm. blah. You know, that whole convoluted speech. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost a campaign commercial. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was that, that whole interview. Was Keep America healthy again, people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that's probably my uh, single favorite sequence of the movie is at the end when you find out, you know, again, they're using that closed circuit television, using videotape to give the illusion that Rucker Howard is really there in the studio, you know, while he, but while he's uh, dropping in by helicopter to find out where John Hurt's got his wife and kid. I like mm-hmm. the kind of subterfuge of that end. It was like, okay, like if they're, again, like you, I'm reiterating something you already said, Lee, but like if they had done a lot more of that and a lot less of the slow jazz and the other convoluted bullshit plot stuff, it would have been a much better movie. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 there's, there's a tighter, better written script here somewhere where it could be like the uh, espionage heavy version of like FX or something like that, where, you know, it's, it, it's, mm. it's really digging deep into like the video technology stuff instead of, instead of the uh, movie special effects stuff that FX does. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. But it's a, a whole lot I, less I, Brian, I, Brian Dennehy than it needs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can start summing up things here a little bit. Um, if you want to give your okay, final it does in 45, <laughs> right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say we can give our final thoughts and ratings on this, and uh, we do a rating on a scale one to ten, one being the worst, ten being the best. And uh, you know, uh, I guess Gary, we'll let you take this one first. Yeah, the the whole ending, you know, where he, he the Rutger Hauer PSA, I'm going to call it. See, you have the button right there. You can shut it off. See, see, see what you do there. You know, all, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a better version of this movie. It'll last the whole 45 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a, this is 83. A certain show came out in 1983, you know, about soldiers of fortune who escaped the uh, military prison. You know, if you need them, you could find them. Maybe you could hire the A-team and maybe, you know, William Hurt, um, what's the guy? Uh, John Hurt. John Hurt should have hired the A-team uh, yeah. for this mission and, you know, been been just fine, you know. Right, the, right. The, the BA could have built some shit in a montage. <laughs> No, I, I enjoyed it though. It's it's the the action scenes. We just watched Robo Tricks yesterday for for the commentary show. I mean, the action scenes and that film are on point, but everything else is kind of a slog. This film has a lot of those those same problems without yeah. without the robot sex, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is um, it could have benefited from from some robot sex, I think. Well, I mean, if, yes, the if robot. It- Depending on what you think the sex scenes were in this film, they, they kind of were robot sex when you think about it. <laughs> it's it's a seven. Seven? I, okay. I think it's a little too twisty in, in parts, but, you know, twisty. Seven. There you go. Wow. All right, Lee, what about you, sir? Oh, man, I got to go opposite direction. I don't like this movie all that much. Like, there, there's stuff I do like in it, and I see the potential where this could have been really good. But it kind of for me fails on almost every level um honestly the best thing out of it is kind of the actors and that final like shootout scene that that's kind of the only things i recommend watching in this so like if you want to skip to like the last you know half hour of the film there's there's some stuff to be had there that that's worthwhile but 
for the most part, this just kind of doesn't work. You can tell all the production problems and all the back back uh, stage kind of stuff. You know, all the stuff happening in the background is just kind of killed this movie before it had a chance. And um, I'll give it a five. Okay, so like you know, if you're really that curious, if you're a Sam Peckinpah completist, uh, if you like some convoluted spy shit then well this movie has those things uh it's not done very well but it does have those things so yeah i'll, I'll give it a five yeah, there um, is an awe moment i'm sorry oh no no go right ahead correct no there is a, there is an awe moment at the end of this movie where they find the wife and the kid and they find the dog who has his snout tied up very very cute they go oh he lives <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was that was kind of an awe moment because I really, you know, I hadn't, like I said, hadn't seen this movie for a good thirty years, and I thought to myself, was the dog really dead? I'm like, nope, nope, he fucking made it. Okay, they didn't, they didn't uh, commit a bozo no no right there. Yeah, John Hurt wasn't totally evil; he was just kind of evil. Yeah, he wasn't a total piece of shit. But uh, I'm gonna match. I'm gonna match her five, Lee, because uh, I feel like any. I, I could recommend this to a peck and paw completist if you're if you're a fan of some of the actors in here, whether it be Rooker Howard, you know, or Dennis Hopper or Chris Sarandon. You know, if you want to see them, you know, give a, a good performance with what little they're given to work mm. with. It, you know, it's good if you're in completist, but to the the average viewer, I just can't rightfully just can't recommend it. It's it's not on the high end of peck and paws list it's not really even on the high end of rucker howard's list up you know but i i will admit it was kind of neat to see his first you know quote unquote you know hero and you know you know mm. and, and protagonist uh, you know uh not protagonist but uh you know the main hero instead of being an anti-hero or, or a villain all the time yeah you know after seeing those con- consistently and throughout his career it was just a nice change but but yeah it's a it fails on a lot of levels, but I feel like that last half hour, if they could have kept up the momentum in the first hour, you know, of of that kind of action and that kind of shit going on, it would have been a much better movie. But it takes, you know, 40 minutes before they even get to the quote unquote Osterman weekend. It's just yeah. like a, it's a lot of buildup. And it's just like, OK, John Hurt's ass and, and, <laughs> and <laughs> Helen Shaver p- putting booger sugar up her nose consistently. It was just like, OK, uh, I just didn't get it. I feel like it was a very muddled script for as, you know, for as muddled as it is, I do love how it comes together in the end. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. But uh, that being said, I do have one quick other thing I'd like to do before you guys take off here. I, um, I, for this show, I've been doing a little bit of a quick two question uh, Rucker Howard questionnaire for, for my uh, guests. And uh, it's really simple. Do you have, a favorite Rucker Hauer movie versus a favorite Rucker Hauer performance. And uh, Lee, I'll kick it to you first. Um, so are you, are you asking me basically, uh, do, do I have a favorite Rucker Hauer movie that doesn't necessarily have? Oh, I'm, I'm meant, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. The way I worded that was weird. Uh, I meant like, do you have a favorite Rucker Hauer movie and a favorite Rucker Hauer performance, whether or not it be the same movie or not? Oh, okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> I, I think I, I do really like, uh, it's not, it's not really a Rucker Hauer. Well, it actually kind of is a Rucker Hauer movie cause he's a big part of it. Um, I've, 
I want to say like the obvious, like the Hitcher or fucking Blade Runner, but everyone's going to say that for the most part. Um, I think, I think a, like just a movie overall that I enjoy a lot with Rutger Hauer in it is Nighthawks. Uh, I think that's a pretty good, he's the bad guy in that. He's like a terrorist. Um, if, if people haven't seen that, uh, I'm pretty sure Gary's seen that. And have you seen that Cameron? Yep. Uh, we actually just did an episode where I, I, I dropped that, uh, two days ago. Okay. Yeah. That was the second episode of this month, but yeah, yeah. Love that movie. Yeah. So I really like that. My favorite performance though, has got to be the hitcher. Like he is just so fucking good in the hitcher. Like as good as he is in, in blade runner, he's like, I, I feel like he's 10 times better than the hitcher just playing this total void of a, you know, just a psychopath, like just, he's got no soul, nothing, but yet he s- portrays so much like uh weird, e- icky, eerie charisma and, and everything. Like he just makes so much out of a character that basically has no real characteristics other than he's an evil son of a bitch. And uh, it's really just that movie is really driven on the strength of uh, his performance. Um, Cause uh, what's his name? The opposite in that uh, was it C Thomas Howell. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. C Thomas Howell is just kind of like, he doesn't really rate for me and I don't think he's particularly great in that film. He just kind of plays the, the hapless victim that Rector Howard toys with and, and that's all he's got to do really. And he does like watching a cat toy with a mouse. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, those would be my answers there. All right. Uh, Gary, what about you, sir? Um, Split Second, my, my favorite Rucker Hauer film, hands down. It's just. That fun. is the only right answer. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's, it's like post apocalyptic, that the world building doesn't make a lot of sense. But you know what? He's like this, this, this cop who, who's going to go find this beast in the sewer and. By any means necessary, and it's 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 strong. Uh, first thing I ever saw him was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I, I have a I have a soft spot for that. Mm. Oh, Buffy! God, sometimes oh, I almost forget that he's it... a, almost forget that he's in that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, too bad Christy Swanson turned into a fucking nut job. Oh, what a hey, she job. was nice to she she was nice to me. Is all I'll say about that. Okay, <laughs> I I know her personal politics are all over the place, but she was nice to me. Um, I, I, was, I, I would sooner, I, I would sooner want to shake hands with Paul Rubens than to meet her. <laughs> I was going to bring that. I, I love they brought back Paul Rubens' character for like a hot second on um, what we do in the shadows, the TV show. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> epic man, epic. Um, favorite performance um, by him is that a film that's traditionally liked by people, but I don't like it very much. But he his performance, I've always said the villains really stand out in Blade Runner. And mm-hmm. he's, he, he, he really stands on Blade Runner. I love all the parts that he's in. I just don't like it as a film all that much. I'm actually so, kind of there with you. I'm not a big fan of Blade Runner, so. I can see yeah. that. I can see that. I, I personally love Blade Runner, but I, I can see, especially with some of the different versions there are, that there's like five, six different versions yeah. of Blade Runner out there. <clears throat> I like, I like, I like the sequel better, honestly. You were not got, the first person that's told me that, Lee. You're yeah. not the first person. He's got the baby goose in it, man. Come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Roy, Roy, Roy Batty's my answer for his best character. So there's that. Ah, good. Well, you know, when it comes to Howard, there are no wrong answers. He's, uh, 
I feel like he was one of those actors, again, why I chose for him for uh, an appreciation month topic. You know, he was somebody that never phoned it in. You know, I always felt like he was performance guaranteed, and that's what I appreciate about him. But, mm-hmm. but that being said, I think we'll t- uh, wrap this one up for the evening. Um, do you guys have anything coming up real quick that you want to promote, uh, that you want to you know talk about before we go? And let uh, Lee, let you go first. Uh, yeah, by the time you hear this, I think our latest podcast on They Must Be Destroyed on Site will be out. Um, and that will be uh, actually an episode I'm doing with uh, Gary and my co-host uh, Lady Lee later tonight, actually. Uh, it's going to be Out of the Dark, uh, 89, I believe the year is. It's a late, uh, late slasher in the uh, sort of 80s slasher cycle. And it's a, it's a crazy one. And it's got like Divine's last performance, although the, uh, it's not. Uh, divine it's uh what's his face uh just playing you know a, a, a male character instead of uh playing a female character and uh so that should be out and uh also just uh as of late uh, lady lee and i were guests on the grind bin podcast and we did uh live like a cop die like a man so you should seek that out it's a pretty good episode Right on, right on. And Gary, what about you, sir? Um, we are currently two episodes out of three into our B- our eighth year beef anniversary. We're covering uh, the six films and the Christopher Guest oeuvre as, you know, directing slash, you know, not directing, but very, very involved Christopher Guest films. Uh, the next one you'll hear that would be For Your Consideration, their review featuring Derek Bourgeois and um, Mascots featuring Court Psyops. And uh, smack dab in the middle, me and uh, Ricky Morton. I almost called Ricky Morton again. Ricky mm-hmm. Morgan, Ricky, Ricky Morgan are doing uh, Crippled Theater, which we're doing 1986's Wired to Kill, which uh haven't watched yet, but it sounds pretty nuts. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, besides that, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is back with uh, with Cameron and yep. Kyle uh, and myself. Go check that out. Uh, Robo Trick should be out. As this is coming out, probably that commentary. Um, I was going to say that's more like about, a three. That's more like a three or four drink minimum movie. Yeah. <laughs> After that, we do a Lamberto Baba join. So the Kyle says it's it's like Robotrix, but it doesn't stop doing what it's doing. So I'm I'm looking forward <laughs> to watching that for the first time. Right on, right and, on. Uh, what what Lee said, Lee. What Lee said, I'm going to be on his show, and I. Uh, I can't wait to talk about Paul Bartel's wig in that movie because um, that's a thing in that movie. <laughs> and we've got what, probably a new uh, last call, call at Torches. We'll probably be recording here pretty soon, I'm sure. Yes. Mm. What, what comes up next? I forget. Uh, Crossroads, and then we're doing um, uh, Walter Hill's dir- direct, directing um, Tales from the Crypt episodes. We, oh, yeah. We, ah, we, might right. throw, we might throw the Deadwood pilot in as a bonus. I, I we'll, we'll decide when that happens. You know? oh, I, I have no problem rewatching any episode of Deadwood for you, sir. So those four things might be the bonus uh, Patreon episode. So you'll go, uh, go seek those out when those come, which should be coming very soon. All right. All right. Cool. Sounds good. Looking forward to your shows, guys. And I want to thank you for taking a couple hours out of your time, you know, out of your schedules. I know we're all pretty busy fellas. Uh, appreciate you coming along for Rooker Hour Appreciation Month. Oh, no, it was fun. Thanks for having us.
All right, guys. Well, folks and everybody listening at home, you've been listening to Cinema Degeneration, Rucker Hauer Appreciation Month, where we have been reviewing and dissecting the much misaligned and uh, muddled The Osterman Weekend from 1983. Folks, as always, thanks for listening. Don't you feel better now that you know that all your old friends are just tax evaders after all? Or are you just a little disappointed? You were setting us up. Why? We're in prime killing time. All it took was to have my wife murdered while my employers watched on closed circuit TV. It's just another episode in this whole snuff soap opera we're all in. Switch it off, John. <laughs> you know better than that, Bernie. It's your business, both of you. Addicting people so they can't switch off. <laughs>